Welcome to the Marietta First United Methodist Church Podcast. Marietta First is a community of disciples dedicated to living and serving faithfully our local community of Marietta, Georgia, and around the world. We are glad you're here. It is our prayer that this podcast offers you hope and grace on your own journey of faith. If you would, please remain standing for those who are able for the reading of our scripture this morning. I'll be reading from Paul's letter to the Galatians, chapter 5, verse 1, and then reading verses 13 through 25. Hear these words. For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. For you were called to freedom, brothers and sisters, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for self-indulgence, but through love become slaves to one another. For the whole law is summed up in a single commandment, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. If, however, you bite and devour one another, take care that you are not consumed by one another. Live by the Spirit, I say, and do not gratify the desires of the flesh. For what the flesh desires is opposed to the Spirit. What the Spirit desires is opposed to the flesh, for these are opposed to each other, to prevent you from doing what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not subject to the law. Now the works of the flesh are obvious, fornication, impurity, licentiousness, idolatry, sorcery, enmities, strife. Jealousy, anger, quarrels, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these. I'm warning you as I warned you before, those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. By contrast, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against such things, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also be guided by the Spirit. The Word of God for the people of God. And you may be seated. I do want to thank Steve Fisher for his incredible work, his leadership in our church. I know personally that I am very grateful for all that he has done and all that he brings to our church. We're very excited for this afternoon at 4 o'clock for our organ pipe signing and our concert. And it's also set up for vacation Bible experience. So we've got a lot of things going on in the life of the church, and we're very, very excited about it. So today begins for us a seven-week series on fruit of the Spirit. I think that every now and then, we need a healthy dose of the Apostle Paul. Don't you think so? I think we need a healthy dose of the Apostle Paul. We need to be reminded of things. We need to be reminded how to behave. 
We need to be reminded about what our priorities are. We need to be reminded about what it means to be a follower of Jesus in a world where moral living and faith can be mere byproducts of our life. Maybe not the best way to begin a sermon series. Maybe you won't come back. But I do think it's worth it for each one of us to pay attention to the words of Paul because I think Paul has something always to remind us of and to teach us, and I think we need to hear these words. When we think about our own lives today, I think that it can be said that the Apostle Paul has a pretty good idea of what we're going through. Now, we might think, well, what does he know? Because he was in first century Palestine. What on earth does he have in common with Marietta, Georgia in 2022? Well, a couple things, actually. He lived as a Jew and then as a Christian in the Roman Empire, dominated by idols and false gods. It was not an easy and quiet life that he lived by any stretch of the imagination. He dealt with all kinds of people. He dealt with people who were kind, people who were mean. He dealt with people who were difficult, people who were good. He dealt with people who were downright complacent. He evangelized all over the Mediterranean seaboard. Some resisted the message, some accepted the message, and some were actually just downright hostile to it and actually threatened his life. Paul also understood that the Christian life is hard, and he didn't whine about it, even when it got really hard, and it did get really hard as the Christian life does. He struggled with some sort of a a thorn in the flesh, the scripture tells us. We don't know what this is, but we also know that this thorn in the flesh, this continual problem that he encountered, also kept him focused on Christ, knowing that he could do nothing without Christ. And he admits that there were times when he did the very thing that he despised, even though he didn't want to do it. Paul is so very human, and I don't know about you, but when I hear these things about Paul, I find it very reassuring. Don't you? Are you with me today, folks? (laughs) I know it's not a responsive time, but just want to make sure you're there. There was one thing, though, that Paul saw most frequently, it's what a lot of his letters are about, and I'm sure it drained him of his energy, and that is that there was continual conflict in the church and division among Christians. We hear about it often. It's in Corinth, it's in Ephesians, it's in Thessalonica, and it's also in Galatia, in Asia Minor, where a number of the churches that Paul planted are. There were differences in theology, differences in how to behave. In other words, Paul was repeatedly reminding them to practice what you preach and make sure what you are preaching is actually the gospel of Jesus Christ. Some things, (laughs) some things don't change. Some things don't change. Could be talking about the church today. It appears, though, that there are some Jewish and Gentile Christians preaching a different gospel. 
one that was bound up in the law of Moses, teaching and following the letter of the law was a prerequisite to being a Christian. That's what they were preaching. They were teaching and preaching to church folk that for someone to be a Christian, they must first be a law-abiding Jew. And Paul is shaking his head and he is saying, no, no, no. We are not bound by the law. We are bound by the law of grace. We're not saved by our works. We can have a list of things that we've done a mile long and it doesn't matter. Check, 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 check. This is about being saved by faith through grace. Grace is all over this. It's poured out, poured out in abundance. If you want to know the law, then here is the law in a nutshell. And you know it. To love, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. To love your neighbor as yourself. It's really as simple as that. But it's not quite so simple, is it? It's not. Love is the first thing that Paul names when he talks about the fruit of the Spirit. Because you can't have any of those other things unless you first have love. Cultivating the fruit of the Spirit is what we'll be looking at for the next seven weeks. And I think it's a helpful reminder to each of us about what it looks like to follow Jesus. And I don't know about you, but I need to be reminded. I need to be reminded about what that looks like. And this is what I mean when sometimes we need a healthy dose of the Apostle Paul. He sets it all out there for us. And I like to think that this Galatians, this letter to the Galatians, is actually a come to Jesus letter. There are certain expectations about what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And just to be clear, it's how you are not supposed to behave, Paul says. Here are the things you're not supposed to do. And he's had to repeat himself, so he's saying it again to them. They're works of the flesh, and Paul names them. They're only some of them. They're not even all of them. And obviously, they're coming out in the church. Otherwise, he wouldn't be naming them. Fornication, impurity, licentiousness, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, angers, quarrels, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, and carousing. I think that's a gentle reminder. (laughs) Works of the flesh. And these things... These things draw Christians away from Christ. They divide the church. They destroy the fabric of community. Did you catch the words? Enmities, strife, quarrels, dissension, and factions. There is no life in them. They can kill the body and the soul. They can kill the Christian witness. They can kill a church. Now, I think Paul knows that it can be easy to backslide. That's what we call it, backsliding. It's easy to slip into worldly ways and sort of turn the other way. It happens more times than I think that we care to admit. He's warned us before, and he knows that it can be problematic in the life of a Christian in the church, but I'm guessing that you know that already. Maybe even succumbed a time or two to it. But for the Christian, we're always reminded from Paul that there is a higher road 
There is a narrow gate. There is a better path. There is a more excellent way. Paul calls it living in the Spirit. Living in the Spirit. And when we live in the Spirit, we bear fruit for the kingdom of God. Last week was Pentecost. We talked about the roaring wind of the Holy Spirit coming upon us. It doesn't come upon us on one day of the year. It comes upon us whenever it will. It comes into our lives, it comes into the church, and it's meant to, to give us life. And when it does, that very spirit forms within us love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. When we embody these things, it is to live in the spirit to be guided by the Spirit. These are the characteristics of the Christian life. If you wanna know what the Christian life looks like, it looks like these, the fruit of the Spirit. If you wonder if somebody's a Christian, are they demonstrating the fruit of the Spirit? That's why I think we need a healthy dose of the Apostle Paul. I know people have you know, mixed feelings about the Apostle Paul. But it's to remind us about who we are. It's like when you leave home as a teenager and you come back as an adult, and you're sitting down at the table with your family, and you have to remember your manners, because you've been eating without a napkin, you've been eating with your fingers, and instead, when you sit down at the table with your parents and your family, you put your napkin on your lap, you use your utensils, and when you need something that's across the table, you say, would you please pass the salt and pepper instead of reaching over and grabbing it for yourself. These moments are important because they remind us of our manners. And that's what Paul is doing, really. Reminding the church of their manners it's simple, really. Just behave. Maybe that should have been the title of the sermon. Just behave. It's not hard. It was what you learned maybe in Sunday school, hopefully. Maybe you learned it from your parents. Maybe you learned it from other Christians. I hope so. It's mirroring. It's reflecting the Christian life. Now, you never know what, what impact the Christian life is going to have on somebody. I was talking with a clergy friend. Recently, we were uh, talking about transformation because the word transformation is actually in our mission statement in the United Methodist Church to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. What does transformation look like in the church? And what does transformation look like in an individual's life? And so it can be small things or it could be large and significant things. Well, she was sharing with me a story about when she was in college. And when she was in college, she would go out and she'd drink. She'd party with her friends. She'd come home at all hours of the night and day, often feeling guilty about maybe something she said, maybe something she did. And there was always a girl there who she, didn't, she knew didn't go out with them. She spent her time differently, and she was perfectly content doing so. She was always loving and kind, this girl was. 
She was kind. She was a good listener. She had a peace about her, even in a college dorm room. And the young woman was asked this question by my friend. Why are you like this? How? How can you be like this? And her response was, it's because of my Christian faith. It's because of my Christian faith. It keeps me grounded. It gives me courage. And it gives me strength. Without even realizing that this young woman was actually planting seeds of the fruit of the Spirit within this friend that was sharing this story with me. My friend said, I wanted what she had. Have you ever met somebody like that? Somebody who has a peace about them, who's filled with love, who's filled with grace, who is patient, who is kind, who is loving, and you say, I want what they have, and what do I need to do to get it? And that's what she did. So she said, well, okay, I better go back to church. She was raised in the church. She went back to church. She started getting involved, and ultimately it led her into the ministry. That's pretty extraordinary, the witness. And that's the story she was telling me. So distinctive was this young woman's witness. I think it's powerful, the Christian witness, and we forget. It's not a coincidence that the first fruit of the Spirit is love. It's the summation of the law in its entirety. Love is. It's the most difficult thing that we do. It's hard to love, isn't it? It's hard to love, but it's also the most important thing that we do. Jesus shows us what it means to love. We're to serve others. We're to forgive others. We're to do unto others as we would have them do unto us. We're not to judge them. We're to respect our differences. That's who we are. In Luke's gospel, Jesus is questioned about what does it mean to love your neighbor. And he gives the example of what we know as the parable of the Good Samaritan. And we know this, we know this parable well. We hear about the man in the ditch and he's left for dead. The priest and the Levite, both religious men, pass by. We don't know why. Maybe they were busy. Maybe they had other things going on. Maybe they didn't notice. Maybe they figured there was no camera watching them and it was okay to pass on by. No matter. But we do see that someone does stop. Someone stops to help the man in the ditch and pull him out. Put him on a horse or donkey. Can't remember what it was. Take him to an inn. Feed him. Care for him. And then come back and make sure that if there are any additional fees that he was taken care of. And it says in the text that the Samaritan, who's an enemy of the Jew, was so moved with pity that the only recourse that he had was to help this man in the ditch. Moved with pity. Now, the Samaritan is no less or more religious than the priest and the rabbi. They are all religious. But the Samaritan is the one where the love of God is not just in his head, but also in his heart, and it compels him to help someone. He must have welcomed the movement of the Holy Spirit within him, Maybe God was at work in his heart, tilling the soil of his heart. Our hearts have to be continually tilled. Did you know that? Otherwise, they get hardened like Georgia clay. 
They have to be tilled constantly, to be nourished, to grow. Then this Samaritan figures that he needs to help this guy in the ditch, and so he does, because maybe he figures that could have been me. Jesus might say that the man in the ditch is us, and that Jesus has pulled him out of the ditch, pulled us out of the ditch, and given us a new beginning. Not because of anything we deserve, not because of any checklist that we have, not because of any good works that we've done, simply because of pity and grace and love. It's freedom in Christ, the fruits of the Spirit, loving one another. It's shaping the Christian life from the inside out. But see, here's the thing. As Jesus tells the story, we don't know this. I don't know that the Samaritan didn't, didn't have his son with him. Maybe his son was with him, watching him. Or maybe there was somebody on the road behind him on the way to Jericho and saw what this man did. Or maybe the people in the inn witnessed the kindness, the generosity of this man. And they began to talk and say, why did he do such a thing? How could he do such a thing? And the fruits of the spirit of love and generosity and kindness and gentleness were all there. And maybe somebody else saw this as an opportunity for them to have seeds planted within their own hearts. You never know who's watching. You never know to whom you are witnessing. It could be just helping someone. Maybe it's just a small act of kindness. Could be a, a spirit of peace. When everything around you, or sh people are shouting, and there's turmoil and dissension. Could be when someone is prone to be argumentative, angry, maybe you exude a, a sense of gentleness and peace and calm. Seems like a better response. I close with this. Pediatric chaplain Brian Spoon, he's written a book. It's a very interesting book. It's called The Neuroscience of the Fruit of the Spirit. And in it, he talks about something called the butterfly effect. He talks about scientist Edward Lorenz, who was computing weather models when he found that the slightest difference in an initial query running simulations ultimately produced extremely different weather patterns. This later became known as the butterfly effect. The principle is, is that something as small as a butterfly that beats its wings in Brazil can have the effect ultimately of producing a hurricane in Texas. If the butterfly is beating its wings elsewhere at another moment, the effect over time will indeed produce drastically different weather patterns, even if it's halfway across the world. Each one of us, no matter how small we seem in our own minds, is infinitely powerful. The simple act of helping a person feel affirmed and loved might seem like something small, something insignificant, but each moment has an infinite impact. And that's what the fruit of the Spirit is all about. Just imagine 
Just imagine if we embraced the Holy Spirit and let it till the soil of our hardened hearts so that God could really work through us, change us, transform us, bear fruit within us so that we in turn can do the same for others and for the world. Wouldn't that be something? A little more fruit of the Spirit. It might just be what the world needs. May it be so. Thanks be to God. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Marietta First United Methodist Church Podcast. For more information about Marietta First United Methodist Church, we invite you to connect with us online at mariettafumc.org or on Facebook at Marietta FUMC.